0: I will say the other thing we do is we do a monthly virtual meet and greet. Yeah. And what we do with those is we we used to charge $10 and now we say it's a pay what feels good. And we've actually found that we make a little bit more by taking away the the requirement to pay because some people will pay zero, but some people will pay 20 or $30 instead of 10
1: Hello, you're listening to Podcast Growth Hacks, where I talk to podcasters of all experience levels to unpack the most powerful growth tactics they used to grow their podcast. I'm Pat Chong, And if you're a podcaster, well then subscribe so that together we can all learn and experiment with how to grow our own podcasts. Today we're chatting with Emma and Finn, the hosts of Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast. They've been doing this podcast since April 2018, with over 272 episodes under their belt, and around 2,500 followers on both Instagram and Twitter. They both had corporate engineering jobs, but after feeling uninspired by their nine to five, they both quit their jobs, bought a one-way ticket to South America, and started pursuing what they're currently doing today, which we'll dive into in this episode. Welcome to the show, Eamon. Finn, how are you doing?
0: We're doing great. Thanks, Pat, for having
2: us. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here.
1: Well, thanks for being here. Today, we have you on the show to learn about your experience growing your podcast and especially growing your Patreon community to over 200 members, which is pretty amazing. But before we dive into all that, let's get to know a little bit more about you and your podcast. So, yeah, tell us a bit about your podcast. Yeah,
0: for sure. Go ahead, him
2: You want me to start? What are you? <laughs> Oh, well, about our podcast. So as you mentioned, we started our podcast in the spring of 2018. It was right before we left and traveled South America for a year. And so we were looking to do something different than our corporate engineering jobs and just change our lives completely. And our podcast is a weekly interview podcast. So we interview people who are exploring non-monogamy. That can look a lot of different ways and it could be, uh, somebody by themselves. It can be with a couple, it can be with a triad or we even had quads on the podcast as well. Mm. And so it's just a weekly interview podcast that we have a lot of fun with. And we talk to a lot of amazing, amazing people. Yeah.
0: The only thing I'll maybe add to that is sort of like the, the inspiration of like why we decided to start it was. Back in 2018, when we started this, there were, there were quite a few different podcasts that talked about non-monogamy, but a lot of them were from a, like a, a first person perspective. And it was usually, and this is not all, but usually it was a couple talking about like their journey into it and you know, how that looked, how it evolved. And we would often like listen to the first couple of episodes and then we'd like get to know who the people were. And then we'd, we'd get a little bored, not because the people were Mm -hmm. boring. But because the stuff that, that then like usually comes after that are things that we've experienced a lot of ourselves. So maybe like going to parties or going on a vacation or different things that we, we really loved meeting the new people. And we've always loved that aspect of non-monogamy ourselves. And so we're like, I kept telling Emma, I'm like, why is there not a podcast where every week it's just somebody different? We learn about them and then somebody brand new the next week. So I guess that's my, my,
2: that's why we created it.
0: <laughs> That's that. Maybe that's why non-monogamy draws me in. Is that I'm always wanting to meet new people. Um, so yeah, that was where it came from, and and it it kind of took off, and here we are four years later doing it. So so
1: it sounds like the interview aspect of it is unique in the niche. A bit,
2: yes. Um, well, I feel like non-monogamy the niche in itself, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then the interview aspect is another another niche there.
0: Yeah, there there are quite a few podcasts in this sort of realm. That they'll often interview like therapists or experts Mm. researchers. And we, we do have them on our show as well, but we often take a little bit of a different approach when we interview them. It's usually, Hey, yeah, well, we want to hear about your research, but we also, we really want to hear your personal story. Like why, like, why did you do the research? Why are Mm -hmm. you a therapist who works with non-monogamous couples? And often it's born out of some personal journey. That's really interesting. And really makes it more relatable in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it's interviews are not uncommon, but the way we approach it is a bit uncommon. And that's kind of fun.
1: Yeah. Out of curiosity, how do you find your guests? Because like even me, as I'm kind of diving into this world of interview podcasts, it's fairly easy for me. <laughs> right? yeah. Everyone kind of publicizes that they're a podcaster. I can kind of <laughs> reach out to them because they're already experienced with being on the mic. Uh, pretty easy for me to get interview guests. But yeah. Non monogamous practicing non, yeah.
2: Well, we started with reaching out to friends, and so we had a pretty vast friend network that we just put a plea out to anyone to please come on the podcast so we can get it started. And also, we started reaching out to other podcasters, and other content creators in the space. And so early on for our first, I don't know, maybe 20 episodes, we would go back and forth between either a friend of ours or uh, a content creator. We kind of went back and forth until we got enough momentum where people started reaching out to us. And over the last, since then, since probably episode 25, it's been almost all people reaching out to us
1: right that's interesting and when you first started it i noticed you both of you go by pseudonyms and minfin they're not really your real names and even when i look at your website i I think it's like more depictions of you versus Mm -hmm. real pictures so when you're interviewing real people kind of sharing what their identities are is it weird at all that you're under a pseudonym
0: yeah go ahead no yeah go ahead i think it it is and it's sort of it's something that we actually have a bit of conflict in internally for each of us of we're trying to normalize something that we are not quite fully out about ourselves and so there is a bit of like uh in like i said internal conflict about that we have
2: and some shame
0: and yeah definitely some shame in there um over the last year or two we've we've done a lot of work in coming out and sharing with our family and friends a um, lot more
2: stop about- you real quick because i want to say i want you to continue but first off, the reason why we used pseudonyms in the beginning was to protect our privacy. We just wanted a Mm. level, a layer of privacy and anonymity moving forward. And so, um, and a lot of our family and friends didn't know about our non-monogamous life and about that part of our relationship. And so we wanted to just have some privacy. And I think now, and now I'm going to continue, we've been We've been working over the last couple of years to tell more people, to come out to more people. We still like using the pseudonyms. I mean, because we've been using the pseudonyms for four years now, everyone knows us as Finn. We like that level of privacy, but we're working to be more and more open about who we are.
1: Does that make marketing the podcast a little hard? Because everyone always teaches, you know, you gotta be yourself, you gotta put yourself out there. With your podcast, this layer of anonymity kind of bucks that trend of the marketing trend of like, you know, leveraging your own networks first. And yeah, has that helped or hurt you, or what did you learn from that?
0: My my opinion is it is it has hurt us. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways. So you you threw out our our <laughs> Less than impressive social media numbers. so having have so I the those tw- were good by the way <laughs> <laughs> well when when you've know, been doing it for four good. years yeah. and yeah. you you for for three and a half out of the four years, you posted like once a month on Instagram um and we we posted on Twitter a lot in the early days and probably about two and a half years ago or so. we basically just were like twitter. It, We did not enjoy it. And so we stopped doing it. So the 2,500 followers you see there was probably 2,400, two and a half years ago. It it has not (laughs) changed, but you're, you're actually right. Like not being able to, you know, the, there's sort of this saying I would say of like document your journey, don't create content and so it's much easier if you can jump on a TikTok and talk to your fans or talk to your audience about what you're going through and just being yourself. I think there's a ton of power in that same thing with Instagram, being able to jump on and do a live story or just do a spur of the moment Q and a, and we've sort of limited ourselves in that capacity for, for the time being. Um, And I do think it is, it has probably hurt our numbers. So has being very horrible at posting on Instagram. So yes, you're, you're, (laughs) you're correct.
1: Right. Being anonymous, having that anonymity layer definitely, yeah, limits some of these trends that you could take advantage of, like being on these lives, being on these reels. Yeah. But you make an interesting case study for me because you literally had to grow everything from zero. Your podcast, your Instagram, your Twitter. That's why I think those are impressive numbers. Because, I mean, let me ask about your personal Twitter and Instagram. Did you have a lot of followers there?
0: I don't even have a personal Instagram or
1: Twitter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's not
1: like there was. I
2: do, okay. but there's not a lot on there.
1: <laughs> okay, so maybe it didn't help hurt you on on some level because you had to start from zero anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's rewind back to the beginning. Um, so in your on the bio on your website, it said you quit your job. I take it it's a decently paying corporate job in the tech industry. Did you have any? other podcasting experience to begin with, or did you just start this one from scratch?
0: Yeah, our backgrounds are both engineering. Um, I don't know how you define well-paying. I will say neither of us ever made six figures. What we did is we actually dove pretty hard into the, I, I, we're going on a different path, but fire, which is financial independence, retiring early. So personal down the personal finance rabbit hole for many years. And so we were making. An okay, living both of us, but we were saving north of about 70% of our income. So we lived in a cheap apartment. We did everything as cheap as we could. We like sold down to one car. That was a car that was given to Emma when she was 16 by her grandma to like drive her around. And we drove (laughs) it for 15 years. We just, we cut all the costs we could because we wanted to be able to go and live our lives and travel and explore. So. We had no podcasting background. And actually, what's funny about it is. And I we had
2: no interview background. No,
0: I don't know. Like, no. <laughs> but like for me, listening to a voicemail I would leave on somebody's phone, I couldn't do it. And like it it was so like I hate hearing my own voice. I've now edited 300 plus hours of my own voice. So I've gotten a little more tolerant of it. But yeah, but we had no yeah. background in it.
2: Yeah, but we also, when when we went to travel, we wanted to start, this podcast we also um were trying to figure out like it was a very uh transitional time in our lives obviously and we were trying to figure out what else we were doing so this was a piece of that puzzle but there were a lot bigger things going on for us as well like okay we're gonna go travel for a year that we're gonna you know when we came back to the states we've had a number of different random jobs over the last handful of years but we've always continued doing the podcast and trying to keep growing it but it has been fairly Slow growth,
1: super impressed, so many risks you guys took, obviously, quitting some kind of paying job to travel to a different country, starting a new thing was the intention to start a podcast and to have that as some source of income at all, or
0: I think we have different opinions on this <laughs> <laughs> it was I will say for me, it was always in the back of my head like i I have a really hard time half assing things, so. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to build something like to me, I'm going to build it as big and as amazing as I can. And so for me, it was always like, I would love this to be a full-time thing that reaches millions of people and changes the world. Like that's like my ceiling when I, when I start something. And so for me, that was always my drive, but I don't know that we, completely aligned on that out <laughs> of the gate
2: well I, I don't think out of the gate no I think it was uh it was something that I saw potential in but I was also trying to figure out for myself what that meant did I want to go all in on this podcast and that just be our focus and my focus did I want to do other things and so um I know that that has created the the way the differences in our approaches to this has definitely created struggle for the two of us in our relationship as we've approached this project and that's going down a whole nother rabbit hole that we don't (laughs) need to necessarily go down but we definitely approached it differently in the beginning and at different times throughout the last four years as well
1: right so uh, i'm assuming we're going to dive into where you are at monetizing it and how long it took and all that but i assume in the beginning you didn't monetize it from the beginning so, when you quit your job, and I love the fire community, the financial independence retire early community, um super cool take on income and how to make things work. So did you have a lot of odd jobs to sustain your travels and all that?
0: Yeah, so it's been it's been a challenge. And since we quit our jobs, yeah, so so maybe just touching really quick on the early monetization of the podcast, we We promoted some like affiliate partners. They were like different dating websites and a couple of other things. But when you're tiny, and I will say even now being where we're at, monetizing a podcast is, can be pretty challenging, especially in the niche that we're in. We can come back to that. But in terms of like odd jobs, when we were traveling in South America, it was primarily like volunteer work and just trying to enjoy that time.
2: We were mostly living on our savings.
0: Yeah. And when we came back. It was a few odd jobs here and there. I worked at a startup for about a year and Emma worked a couple of jobs here and there and we've been doing some contract we work. We both do
2: contract yeah, work. It's
0: a lot of like trying to piece together enough money <laughs> to, to live on and figuring out what that, what that looks like month to month is a bit scary sometimes.
1: <laughs> right. So where is the podcast now? Does that
0: account for a decent amount of the income
1: you have?
2: A chunk of it. Not enough to...
0: Well, Well, it it, accounts for most of it, but it's still not enough to live on. Right. So we're, we're, we're reassessing, going and getting, I'm going to have to go and get another job. Emma's going back to grad school and so, uh, we can't afford to live in San Francisco on the 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 pittance that our podcast makes at this point
1: <laughs> that's cool no i love it so it's still part of the journey of how to monetize mm-hmm. it such that it could maybe be a primary source of income later that totally makes sense well let, yeah let's dive into some of the things you did to grow your show and to grow this what i think is a very impressive patreon audience um so maybe let's start with the patreon how many members do you have as part of your patreon membership now
2: just over 200 Yeah, I
0: think as of this morning, it was like 220.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we started the Patreon, I believe, in July of 2019. It was almost a little over a year after we started the podcast. So we decided we didn't want to start a Patreon right away. Just the way we were approaching it was we wanted a lot of content before we were asking people to come support us. we, We just wanted to approach it that way. So what so we did? We started it a year after, and it has slowly grown. But what's really amazing is that it's really a big community, and the people are involved. And so the yeah, there's 220 people. I would say a vast majority of them are very involved in the community as it is, which is I feel like another level of it, it impresses me that people are so dedicated.
0: Well, and so and so what involved. Looks like for the community is we have like a chat platform. We use MeWe, which is, it's like a social media network that you can make private. So there's people in there all day long, you know, Hey, I'm struggling with this or, Hey, this was amazing. And then people jumping in and saying, oh, I, it's just a big support network. Mm -hmm. Um, and these people have turned into like some of our closest friends. Some of their closest friends are in the community. They'll travel across the country to have little meetups together.
2: We also do monthly video Q&As with whoever wants to join. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are pretty well attended and great conversations. And then we do a um, sure. men's group call and a women's group call. We have those groups as well. And so we just we put a lot of energy into, into the community.
1: Yeah, let's break down what members get a little bit. For those not familiar with Patreon, it's just a platform for... Any kind of creator actually to create a monthly subscription, I guess what they call perks. Mm -hmm. And from what I heard from a lot of podcasters, a lot of people think about it, but then they usually get stuck on what kind of perks to, to offer Uh, because it's usually some tiers based off of the subscription fee, right? Yep. Tell us about your perks a little bit in these tiers.
0: Yeah. So the, so the first tier is like $2 and what's that? $2 a month. Yep. And. (laughs) what you get there is you basically get to be part of the monthly Q and A's if you would like. And so those usually have 15 to 20 people on them. We do them one for the East coast time zone and one for the West coast time zone, usually on the same night. The, and the, you the, do those Q and A's in that chat that you described? Uh, we do them on zoom.
2: They're zoom calls. Yeah, they're oh, zoom zoom calls. Call. Okay. Yep.
0: And then at the $5 level is pretty much you get everything from $5. So you get, The men's group. So there's a private chat room for the men's group. And we actually, we have non-binary people in there and we've had trans Mm -hmm. folks in there as well.
2: And the women's group. And
0: you get the women's group and you then you also get the monthly calls and you get to be in the chat platform with everybody, uh, where there's just sort of like ongoing support and community. So those are pretty much like, I would say those are the bulk of the perks at every level. Uh, we made a $10 level. Mm-hmm. which what we've told people is, uh, when they sign up, they kind of tell us where they're at. And if we happen to be in their area, we'll, we'll do our best to like buy them a beer, buy them a drink, maybe get together a small group of other people who are in that town and try to grab a drink with them. Um, and then we've had <laughs> over the last three years, people telling us like you're way undercharging for this. We're part mm-hmm. of other communities like it and you should be charging more. And we've, We've gone back and forth about what to do with that, because a big part of the reason that, that we feel our community is as special as it is, is because we're not pricing people out necessarily it's, Mm -hmm. it's at a level where most people could afford it and that brings a different diversity. So what we did is we went just like a couple months ago and we added like a 15, 20, 25, 50 and hundred dollar level, um, that. Nobody's ever subscribed to, but it's there. And what we <laughs> did is we just said like, Hey, these are placeholders. If, if you want to, you can support at a higher level. You don't mm-hmm. have to, you're not going to lose anything. You're we're not going to just take away the $5 level and make it a $20 level. But people have been asking for this. So here's your opportunity. If you would like to support with a higher pledge, great. And if we can add stuff in the future, like if we start to make enough money where we can send people a t-shirt or something, then, then we would love to add those. But it was sort of just an open-ended, like you can contribute what you want, but we're not going to like take away anything from the $5 level.
1: Hmm. What's the most successful tiers?
2: $5.
1: Oh, $5. And do you feel like you ever leave any money on the table for people who just want to donate like a flat donation versus cause Patreon kind of makes you do monthly, right? I've always been a little bit skeptical of that. But yeah, how has that worked or maybe hasn't worked for you?
2: I'd say like in general, people can subscribe for like a month or two and that's more of a, and then like stop it. So that'd be kind of more of a one time.
0: Yeah. And they can pay for a year. Uh, it lets you do a year and you get a little discount. We've, we, you know, there, I know some people put on like their website, like, uh, buy us a coffee or here's our Venmo. We've, we've tinkered with that a little, we haven't. We haven't done a ton with it. I will say the other thing we do is we do a monthly virtual meet and greet. Yeah. And what we do with those is we, we used to charge $10 and now we say it's a pay what feels good. And mm-hmm. we've actually found that we make a little bit more by taking away the, the requirement to pay, because some people will pay zero, but some people will pay 20 or $30 instead of the 10. And so we get together. Um the way the virtual meet and greets work, uh, they're not part of the Patreon community. They're open to anybody. And we just bring people into Zoom. Uh, We usually have like 30 to 40 people and we'll do like some opening icebreaker questions. We'll go over some ground rules and then we use the breakout room feature and we'll ask like a leading question to start a conversation. We'll send people into a room with like five or 10 people, usually five, five people. They'll talk about it for like, eight to 10 minutes, we'll bring them back, scramble the rooms, ask a new question and send them away. And that's a way for people, you know, they could sign up and pay hundred dollars if they wanted, um, and they would then get the sort of the activity out of it. So yeah, I
1: love the pay what you want model. How do you logistically handle that? Do they pay after and what platform do you use?
0: Yeah. Great question. So yeah. we, so we built our website on Wix and there is a Wix plugin for a form builder that lets you like collect people's information usually. And we do like your name, your email. Have you ever done this before? A couple of like check boxes that. The, let, the the consent stay, forms like. and stuff. Yeah. Some consent. Mm-hmm. Some, if I'm a, if I'm a jerk, I'm going to get removed and never let back in. <laughs> okay. And then, and then it lets, it lets people pay. Um, and one of the options is like, let people pick what they pay. And so we just check that box and, and people, they pay pay yeah, you stripe. Yep. And it pays, it connects through Stripe. And I
1: see. And that's before the event. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's
1: cool. I love yep. that model pay what you want too. Cause then it's almost like a lead capture. Even if they pay zero, you could, yes. do you ever kind of remarket to them?
0: We do. And we get a lot of people who come. It's kind of a, it's, it's a great lead generator is usually our virtual meet and greets have about half people who are part of our Patreon community and half people who aren't. And mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. end, we usually say like, Hey, if you've loved being here. Uh, like look around you know hey throw your hand up if you're part of the patreon community and like these are the type of people you'll get to spend your time with every day if you're in the patreon community and we usually have a little influx of people joining the patreon community because they'd usually come and join a meet and greet either for free or for a couple of bucks
1: right so even your
0: patreon
1: uh, community members who are already paying they might actually pay again uh, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yep yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's a good, great way to get more. Because yeah. uh, they always say up, you know, try to sell some upsells. That sounds like mm-hmm. a great upsell.
2: Yeah. We've also tried to do some in-person events, and um, we've used the same model of uh, pay what you want. And these have been just really informal meet-and-greets. Let's just get all get together somewhere and just chat. Um, and we actually did a picnic once too. We've done a handful of them. Uh, they're great. We love them, but they're not a great source of income because Mm -hmm. by the time we pay for our expenses, like we're not, we're not making enough right now. We don't have a big enough draw yet to bring enough people to, well, we might bring 20 or 30 people. It may not be enough to cover our, um, our finances, our expenses, but we still love to do them and we'll keep doing them, but it's not. Uh, The virtual meeting groups definitely tend to be more where we're able to recoup some of the the costs.
1: That's cool. I'm curious, for your uh, Patreon supporters, do you think they're mainly supporting uh, for these perks or do you think they're just trying to support the show in some way?
2: I think some of both.
0: Yeah, there's some that, that I think they're like, hey, I just wanted to give back. I've been listening to you for three years and I decided to finally do it. I will say there's quite a few that they've said that this community or the men's group call, uh, is one of the best things in their life and they don't know Mm -hmm. what they would do without it. So for some of these people, we could probably charge $200 a month and they would be there, but the reason I think it is what it is, is because we charge $5 a month.
1: Um, So So I imagine there's some percentage of, um, members that maybe don't even log into a zoom call to just kind of keep paying and then a lot are very active members that they come every week or every month or however long, however often you have these, right?
0: Yeah. The zoom calls usually have 15 or so people on them for the, for the main one, but then we record the audio for those and we'll post it. So people who couldn't make it can still sort of get out of the conversation, whatever everybody else did as well.
1: Oh, that's really cool. You record the conversation and then you have like a private part of the site where you host these files. I see. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, going back to when you first began, it sounds like you started the Patreon community a year after the podcast, which seems like a pretty reasonable amount and pretty short actually. Was there ever any imposter syndrome or anything around like how many listeners you need before you start that? Cause I think that's where a lot of podcasters get a little bit tripped up is like, you know, they might have a hundred listeners. Is that too little? Like, do you remember how many listeners you had? before you started your patreon
2: i don't
0: yeah i don't even remember and i'm sure there is i think it's also probably depends on what your perks are right like if if the perk is like hey we're going to send you a cool bumper sticker you probably only need five listeners and you just need one of them who wants a cool bumper sticker um i think it's so uh, podcasting like numbers are so hard to really aggregate and know what mm-hmm. you're doing and i The, like the easiest correlation would be YouTube, right? Like if you go onto YouTube and you have a YouTube channel, you can know, like this video has been watched 1173 times. And you know that exactly because everything happens on YouTube, but with a podcast, there's probably 200 different podcast apps and 200 different ways people can listen to you. And so capturing every one of those downloads and knowing that, it, like, it's
2: just- Well, it's a download versus a listen too. There's such so like people hard. download again yeah. that You don't actually know if they listened or not.
0: But t- to answer your question, I, yes, there was a lot of imposter syndrome, like we're too early. No one's going to want this. And it was slow. And I think that's the thing you have to be okay with early on in all of this is like your first 20 episodes, you still might only get like 10 downloads. But if you're building something that you love, if you're enjoying it, Really you're building it for yourself and you hope other people are going to get something out of it. And so I think my, my advice would be don't, don't build something you don't enjoy doing, because if you, if all you're doing is looking at your statistics and hoping they're going up, you're going to drive yourself cuckoo Um, (laughs) speaking from experience. Yeah. So how did it feel when you first
1: got your, let's say your first five Patreon members, what did you like? How, how did those zoom calls (laughs) look like and how long did it take to get
2: well, we were, we were so excited. Um, I remember the first Q and A's, there were only a couple people on them and it was like, oh, there's like, there's people here. And I, some of them, if I remember right, were our friends. <laughs> so I thought that was, I, We felt <laughs> okay. like maybe we were cheating a little bit, but when, when it started growing, which took trying to remember, you know because COVID impacted this too. This is like another mm-hmm. piece to think through because we had started the Patreon in like summer of 2019 and it was really slow to grow. Uh, only, you know, a couple people a month would join. And then in 2020, people started looking for online communities because they had to. And so that started growing so slowly, but but it helped. Uh, it helped increase our Patreon, I think a little faster, but it definitely cut the listeners down, way down. And so that was just a different, that definitely impacted things in the last four years for sure.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting correlation. I hadn't even thought of like our numbers overnight got chopped in half. Like our downloads went from, I think we were at about uh, 5,000 an episode when it first came out, just cut in half right overnight. Uh, when COVID hit and but wow,
1: 5,000 downloads per episode
0: when, within the first month, roughly. Yeah, that's um, really good. And so we saw those numbers literally overnight went from 5,000 to like 2000. But at wow. the same time, we saw our Patreon community shooting up because everyone was now like, I'm stuck at home. What am I going to do? I need to talk to people. And they, they started seeking out virtual community. And we did, we did one other thing that was, I think was pretty awesome. Um, and I'll pat ourselves on the back for this early on in the pandemic. I think in like April of 2020, we suspended billing on our Patreon community for about three or four months. And we oh, didn't, yeah. we didn't Thanks. turn it back on until we pulled the community and asked them like, Hey, do we need to keep this off for another month? Or should we turn it back on? And everybody was like, please turn it back on. We want to pay you for this service. We might've lost a couple people when we did, but what we wanted to make sure was that people who were getting like lost their jobs and incomes and all of mm-hmm. these things that were impacted, that they didn't then have to like give up their only source of community at the same time. And so yeah. we just, we suspended billing and we didn't really lose anybody through the pandemic. And we, we grew pretty significantly through the pandemic.
1: Yeah, that's very thoughtful. And now as we're coming out of the pandemic, how's that affecting your numbers? Are you still growing at a
0: good rate? Our Patreon, I think it's maybe slower growth a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot it's of still people growing, but it's yeah,
2: it's a little slower.
0: Especially mm-hmm. in the summer, people like to get out, and so yeah. we see fewer people on calls. People are just not quite as engaged in the summer. But then winter comes around, and people are back <laughs> inside, and they right. yeah, it's very cyclical. It's it's an <laughs> interesting right. thing.
1: Now, looking back across your Patreon journey, was there anything that you did that just kind of helped grow it exponentially or was it always kind of a slow, gradual growth?
2: There's a couple times we've been on other podcasts and we've seen spikes from those. And so if we are on another podcast and that there's a lot of talk about Patreon, or community, or um, they have a large audience, then we'll usually see a small spike from that. Uh, in our Patreon community. Other than that, no, it's been pretty that I can think of right now. It's been pretty like just, you know, natural growth.
0: Yeah.
1: And how do you market your Patreon? Is it mainly through the podcast or through social? uh, Like where are people mainly coming from? Is it is your lead funnel kind of like social media going to your podcast then going to your Patreon or just all channels floating into your Patreon?
0: I would say the the only place we really talk about Patreon is on the podcast. And there's a couple of pages on our website. And if we're on another another podcast, we'll talk about it. But we don't really like post like an Instagram graphic that drives people to it. Um
2: not very often.
0: It I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I was like,
2: maybe we should change that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just we we like to we like to talk at people and yeah. we you know we've started having people send us like voice testimonials that we can use at the intro yeah. to like first person perspective. It
2: feels of more people. personal.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: no, that's awesome. I asked that question because I feel like a lot of times podcasters are confused. What's their main channel of communication and marketing. And I love that. It sounds like it's your podcast. That's really the place where you're building trust. And then after they trust you, that's where you're kind of driving them to something else that's maybe a little bit more paid. So that makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah, how are your numbers now in terms of your podcast download numbers?
0: Yeah, right now, roughly in the first 30 days or the first month, which is one of the metrics, like if you were going to start trying to advertise on your podcast and, and reach out to advertisers, they'll pay you in something like a dollar per mil
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a mill is 1000 downloads. And so they'll look at you and say, how many downloads in the first month Does an episode usually get so right now we're, we're roughly around 5,000. So we're sort of back to pre pandemic numbers at this point. And it's been a, it's sort of been a crawl back there and it's, it's actually been hanging out there for probably about six or seven months. And And are
1: you finding your own sponsors and what CPMs are you getting?
0: We, we actually don't have any official sponsors. We have a couple of affiliate partners that we
1: use. Oh, okay.
0: The nice thing about that, that we like is we can say whatever we want about them. We don't have to read anything. It could be 10 seconds or it could be a 10 minute diatribe. Like
2: we did try we sponsors did. before and they didn't work so well for us. We just didn't, there's multiple reasons I don't need to go into now, but we just decided that affiliates right now worked better for us. Yeah.
1: Okay. I remember hearing, yeah, I listened to a couple of your episodes and there's a, I think an STI. Um, mm-hmm. So that's an affiliate that wasn't a sponsor.
0: Correct. Yep. Yeah, that's an, that's, that's like our favorite one because it's odd awesome. it like helps people and the payout is pretty awesome from it. So yeah, we, we love that. It's an online STI testing service. I mean, you go in person to give blood and everything, but everything else is like pretty seamless and anonymous and it's great. Yeah.
1: Have you ever considered reaching out to them and asking them to be a sponsor?
0: Yeah. Yes, we have. And <laughs> they are, they are challenging to work with. Yeah. <laughs> we just get our check from them every month and, right. and try not to wrap the boat too much. So, yeah, right. but it's a great company. They're just, they don't really, I don't think podcast advertising is like their biggest, their, their biggest ROI. So I don't know that they really assign anybody to it. I think it's, it's not, probably not up
2: there on a high priority. Yeah.
0: I, I don't think it's a bad company. I think it's, sure. it's nobody's priority to deal with. Their stupid podcaster questions. So.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. And how are those affiliate revenue checks?
0: Yeah. Well, what, I, what we talked about, we're happy to actually share sort of like what we make overall from the show. And so, right now, and actually last year and this year, that's going to be about the same. Uh, but between our Patreon, our meet and greets that we've done, and basically all of our revenue sources, which are P- Patreon, our meet and greets, and really the STI testing website, we make about twenty five thousand dollars in revenue and then expenses on top of that probably we cut a chunk of that out, especially when we were traveling a lot. So yeah.
1: Sure, twenty five thousand in revenue. That's great. And and what is the big breakdown? What what percentage of that is Patreon versus the meet and greets and
0: yeah, Patreon is a little over a thousand dollars a month. So it's almost like half Patreon, half everything else. Yeah. And the, the other stuff is kind of variable, like the STI testing. varies. some months it'll be like a thousand or $1,200 a month. And some months it'll be like $450 a month. And so that's we, actually
1: really amazing that I, I always have always been a little bit skeptical of, about f- affiliate marketing on podcasts too. Cause there's so much, you know, that the fan has to remember of what to type in. Do you use like an affiliate code? Is that how they're tracking it?
0: It's, it's nice. All they have to do is click a link. And it does everything. So we've, we've tried the other methods where we get like a discount code mm-hmm. and they're like, we have another service that it's a, it's a condom company and they are amazing. We love them. They send us f- more free condoms than we could ever use in our whole lives. Like we get, <laughs> we we've them- got a lot of condoms and we have an <laughs> affiliate code for them we've never made a penny off of it. And I, people say they use it. It just, I don't, we don't know what's going on, hmm. but we, we were like, th- like, we kind of gave up on it. Cause we're like the, you're going to make a dollar off of a a sale. Not that there's anything wrong with a dollar, but like, we know we're not selling that many condoms that we're going to like miss out on a huge chunk. So we're like, you know,
2: the FCI testing is just a link. Yeah, it it's a link, a link and
0: it's the ROI at it's good i
1: see and it's a link in your show notes is that where you put it
0: yep and on our website show notes website yeah
1: got it that's cool so very impressive number you said pre-covid you were at about five thousand downloads in the first month per episode i mean how did you even get there Uh, it sounds like you got there in about a year if my math is correct
2: Uh, about a year and a half yeah um
1: what was the main growth hack to get there because a lot of uh Quite honestly, so many podcasters are—they would envy those numbers.
2: I think a big thing that we had going for us is the consistency. We have been consistent every single Wednesday for over four years now, and I have to attribute that to Finn because <laughs> it, it takes, takes both of it us. It takes both but, of us. Um, and I think that has helped us, and just uh, we. We're pretty relentless, especially the first year. And we continue to do this now, but reaching out to other other podcasters, other content creators, trying to get our name out there, trying to go on other shows, having them come on our podcast. Um, and I think that helped us. That helped the momentum grow quicker.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there ever at- a, a time in the stats where you're like, wow, something we're really doing really is shooting up these numbers? Like, was was it guesting on other podcasts? or?
0: I I think guesting on other shows has a huge impact. If you can get mentioned, like we've, uh, we I'll periodically go and check our backlinks, like if you use age reps or something like that to do backlink Mm -hmm. checking. Uh, we've been like mentioned in like Dan Savage's, uh, like love, uh, love letter of the day or his, his, his like opinion column in like the stranger or online. He's mentioned us on his show. We've been mentioned on some other big shows. We get mentioned, we've been mentioned in like Cosmo articles. So we'll see like a, a spike from those. And I imagine there's some residual effect on that, but I think a lot of it is like Emma said, like reaching out to other podcasters, having them on our show and then they promote it and then going on their show and then they promote that. So a lot of that sort of collaboration has I think helped and.
2: We've also tried a couple, sorry. Yeah, you're good. We've also tried, so we have our regularly scheduled, I guess, Wednesday interview every week, but we've tried to do a few different um, types of podcasts too. So we have something that we call Focus Fridays, where we've done Friday episodes where they're focused on a specific topic rather than someone's story. And that has allowed us to bring on some other guests um, that may not want to talk about their personal non-monogamous journey but they have something else they want to share so we've had people talk about shame we've had people talk about stis we've had people talk about communication and in relationships and so Hmm. we've also done some of those i think we've had maybe i don't know are we at like 16 or 18 of those episodes so they've been um a lot more sporadic we don't have it nearly as many but we that is something else that we've done too to try to like add, we want, we want to bring more, more, as much value as we can and, and education. Right. That's yeah. smart.
1: And those episodes are in the main podcast feed yes. too mm-hmm. as bonus yep. episodes. I yes. think. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I was, as, you, as Emma was talking, I was thinking of just another kind of thing that happens for us and I, it's, it's so hard to quantify and that is we have a lot of guests who, who have a pretty big network themselves. They might have three or four partners. And each one of those partners has two or three partners, and so each person almost has this web of ten to twenty people that they're that they're fairly intimately related to or connected to. And then a lot of those will also maybe be in a Facebook support group or a local. They go to like a local meetup, and there's thirty or forty people there, or they're in a face. There's some of these Facebook groups have like thirteen thousand people in them, and they'll go in and say like. I was just on this really cool episode and they'll post it. And these are, they're just average people. They don't have a podcast. They don't, they're not famous in any way. It's just somebody who is like, I want to share my story. And then they want all their people to, to hear their story. And so it kind of promotes itself in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. That's probably a huge phenomenon. That's probably happening. It's almost a perfect word of mouth podcast, because when you're normalizing something, you're explaining it to a audience that may never have been exposed to it before. And sharing that podcast is like a quick explanation, like, go listen to those podcasts to learn about, you know, this thing that I'm into. And uh, usually a bunch of friends are probably curious about what that person is into. Yeah. And it's a, a great primer to quickly introduce people to it.
0: We, we have a lot of people who tell us that, um, they take the link for their episode and they'll put it in their dating profile. And they'll say like, Hey, if you want to know about me, go listen to this, like, and only reach out if this resonates with you. So like our, we have links to our podcast in like probably 50 different, like <laughs> online dating profiles across, across the world. Yeah, Right.
1: Yeah. Ahrefs is telling you, yeah, a lot of your traffic is coming from <laughs> Tinder and <laughs> right. right? <laughs> okay. Cupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I just listened to one of your episodes and one of your guests said exactly that they, that they only date people who have experience Mm -hmm. with non-monogamy. And I imagine your podcast helps spread what they're doing. So yeah, are there any other podcast growth hacks that you're experimenting with or maybe things that didn't go right?
0: There's a couple of things that that I wish we had done sooner. Uh, And one of those, probably the biggest one is in April, I went through like the podcast hosting service, we use it will allow us to create a YouTube video That's basically just a static image with like a little waveform, and then the episode. So I went through all 250 episodes, downloaded all of the videos and then manually uploaded them all to YouTube and basically built a YouTube channel with 250 some episodes on it. And I was never really expecting anyone to listen on YouTube and like looking at it right now, the average. Duration of view is seven and a half minutes, and our episodes are usually an hour and a half long. (laughs) So
2: people are clearly not listening. They're not. They're not (laughs) listening
0: to the whole episode. Uh But the number that to me is is important is our impressions. Which, if if people are listening, know what an impression is. It's basically the amount of times that somebody has seen that our thumbnail is like scrolled by their eyeballs.
1: Mm, mm -hmm.
0: And in the last two months, we've got one hundred and seventy-five thousand impressions. And so that was. That's 175,000 times somebody has seen our podcast that, that, had, that they had not they, seen it. Potentially. Potentially.
2: Not seen yeah. it before, yeah. And
0: and 9,000 views. So we sort of, it because Google, or I'm sorry, YouTube is basically just a giant Google search engine. And so it's it's really just another way for people to find us that we really weren't utilizing. And I yeah. wish, wish we had been.
1: That is surprising numbers. Cause yeah, you're right. Everyone says YouTube is like the second most used search engine in the world. Totally makes sense. But what I was always a little skeptical of is, yeah, there's a lot of these podcast hosts with like a one click push to YouTube thing that gives you like a long audiogram and I always thought it didn't work too. But to your point, you're getting impressions. People aren't sticking around for the full episode. Are you getting subscribers from that too?
0: Yeah, I can tell you that we have about. A hundred and well, we have exactly 126 subscribers, and and there are some people who listen to the full episode, and for sure, um, and I mean, some of them have 700 downloads. One of them has 4,200 downloads, which that actually brings up another point of things that we didn't do right, but I also would argue that we did do right, and it's this thing that we've been battling for so long, which is keyword optimization. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our episodes are named after the person who was on them it's literally just their name that'd Ed, be like
2: episode 162 sarah like yeah. okay. that, that's uh-huh. all it is and uh-huh. so
0: we we did that very intentionally because we didn't want to like describe somebody in a way that really wasn't them we wanted the, their story to be who they are not what we could stuff into a character. character. We didn't want to say
2: this episode, episode about woman who is married to a man and has a partner. Like with those, we would be like describing these people that we using terms we weren't, we aren't comfortable doing. Right.
0: But the catch there is you're leaving a lot of SEO on the search engine optimization on the table. And so our, our highest viewed video on YouTube by a factor of four, actually by a factor of, Six is an episode with two women who have a podcast that is called the two hot wives and hot wife or hot wives is a very, very highly searched term. Hmm. And we, because they had a podcast called this, it's in the name of the episode and it is by far the most downloaded on our YouTube channel. So leaving the keywords out, I know has definitely made it harder to find us. But it was a decision we made early on to sort of just keep it about the person, not Mm -hmm. about trying to label them in a way that could increase our downloads.
1: So with these results, are you pivoting your decision to include more details in the
0: title? No, no, we've decided (laughs) that it's, it's, (laughs) it has worked this long and could we maybe get some more growth? We could, and there's been, I think a lot of times along the way where we've decided to do something in what we felt was a better way that we knew maybe wouldn't result in fast growth. But our growth has been like very reliable and, and people stick around. There's, there's not a lot of attrition. There's not people coming in and then jumping ship. We've, we've tried to be consistent. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. and we,
2: we really try to build our podcast and lead with, you know, the our the values that are important to us and things that are important to us and the way we feel things, the way we want to do things. And we have seen that has drawn a certain incredible group of people to be in our community. And so I sometimes I, I think we've done that right, I guess in a lot of ways. We may not have grown as fast as we could, but we the people that we gathered and brought together are such an just an an incredible group of people that I, I feel like I wouldn't change that even if we could have had more downloads or could have grown. I feel like we've done it true to ourselves. And that's the most important thing to me.
0: Yeah. And there's another piece in there that we've learned over the years, which is, uh, you know, you might have two episodes and it's Bob and Jane and, or it could be two people named Bob and they have wildly different stories, wildly different everything, but uh, somebody who is nothing like either of these people is going to get something out of that conversation. And so we've really tried to say like, we give people a description so they can read about it, but we've heard from so many people that say like, I didn't think I was going to relate to this person at all because they're nothing like me. And then they're like, but man, I learned so much. I took so much away or it was so relatable. And so because it's a person, we're just sort of saying like, listen to this person and, and relate to this person. And that's not about if they do it exactly like you or they're exactly like you. And so we've, we've sort of been okay. Taking that layer away.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Are there any other growth hacks that you wanted to share or anything that worked or maybe didn't work?
0: I don't have a ton. I, I mean, I think the, the growth has been important for us. And we've, I always, I'm that type of person who wants to see growth, but I also have had to like, be okay. Like, Hey, you know, it's consistent and people are giving us good feedback. And I think we started changing the metrics by which we measured ourselves from like downloads to maybe community growth or impact on the community rather than like Cause our numbers have stayed flat really on the downloads, but the community keeps growing. And so that to us tells us we're doing it the way that we want to do it. And I, I'm sure if we could triple our downloads, we would probably see a pretty significant growth in other places. Um, so we're definitely wanting to do that, but in a, in sort of a organic and measured way without sacrificing the, our core beliefs which is a challenge sometimes.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, that's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your numbers. This is a super useful episode. And uh, usually we end our episodes with what I call the final five quick fire questions, (laughs) and these are just kind of meant to be a little bit more quick and fun and so question number one, do you collect listener emails?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We have a mailing list (laughs) and so people can sign up for a mailing list on our website, but that's so yes.
0: Yeah, and, if if people opt in,
2: if people opt and
0: in, did you mean their email addresses or like the emails they send us? Oh, sorry, yeah, their email addresses.
1: Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You, you have,
0: what are they opting into?
1: Like a newsletter? Or?
0: It's uh, once every two weeks, we might send them an update about something. If we we,
2: we'll send them yeah. like if we're doing an event or if something's going on that we want people to know about, we'll share it.
0: Yeah, got it. Cool.
1: Question number two: What's the one podcast that you actually recommend the most besides your own? <laughs>
0: Ooh, I can go first if you want. Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go for it.
0: My, my favorite right now, uh, well, there's a couple. Uh, Simon Sinek has a podcast mm. called A Bit of Optimism and it is amazing. Uh, Seth Godin has a podcast called Akimbo, which is amazing. <laughs> and I also listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss. So yeah. I, <laughs> I, I took three. that question-
2: question very differently. I took it as what do we recommend most on our podcast, oh. but maybe that's like on <laughs> our podcast, because if that's the case, the one that gets mentioned by far the most is Dan Savage, the Savage Lovecast. So oh. that one, we recommend that one all the time and always comes up in conversations. Um, and it's what I listen to too. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because uh, not every podcast that we all love, we find ourselves recommending, but I find the ones that people actually recommend is pretty special.
2: Yeah, yeah, Finn's list is are awesome too. So there's nothing against any of those. I love those podcasts <laughs> as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are great. I listened to a couple of those too. I didn't know Simon Sinek had a podcast. Now I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. Question three, how much time do you spend on your
0: podcast a week?
2: Hmm, depends on the week, uh, but a significant amount.
0: Yeah. yeah, I would say if we average it out, each episode, like just the core things that need to happen to make an episode happen is probably about eight hours. Uh, eight to 10 hours. And then it's between the community and emails and all the other stuff combined between us, it's probably 30 to 40 hours a week.
1: Wow. 30 to 40. That's quite but, yeah.
2: with the two of us.
1: Right.
0: Right. Wow.
1: That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's quite a bit of work. Um, question four, what's your favorite podcast tool? I can go
0: first again, if you want.
2: (laughs) I was just going to say Patreon because of how it's helped us build the community. So do you have something else?
0: Yeah, I have two. One is, uh, so I do a lot more of the editing. Uh, (laughs) and so I have a few more of like the technical things that have made my life amazing. So one, there's a plugin for GarageBand, which I I still just edit in GarageBand, but there's a plugin that will do audio denoise, like white, white noise cancellation or background noise cancellation. That has been a lifesaver. There's also a website. What's called, it called? Oh, geez.
1: I try to I, usually put all these links in the show
0: notes. Yeah, it is. It was called um crumple pop. Crumple pop. Uh, okay. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the, the organization, but it's like crumple pop audio denoise or something like okay, that. Okay.
1: For Garage Man. Useful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And then um there's a website called Ophonic, and that's A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C. And when you upload your file there, it'll automatically level out. So if maybe our guest is quiet and we're loud, so it'll, it'll bring those levels. It can do some of the white noise or background noise cancellation. And it also brings your overall audio up to, there's a, there's a a measurement, a luff, uh, which is a loudness, a measurement of loudness. And this brings it up to the industry standard of loudness for a podcast. And so. I don't, I used to worry about all the that as I was like editing. And now I can just like focus on the content, get to the end, upload it. It spits out and it's awesome. So yeah. Love tools that it. make
1: our life easier. That's awesome. Good recommendations. Yeah. Uh, final question. What's your primary call to action at the end of each of your episodes?
2: <laughs> Most of the time it is, uh, go find our Patreon community on our website and go check out stdcheck.com. <laughs> those oh, what was are the
1: last one? Go check the out what?
2: stdcheck.com. That's the, that's the STI <laughs> that's the testing affiliate. website. Yep. 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 So those are those are our go-to things at the end of every episode.
1: That's cool. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks so much, Emma and Finn, for sharing all your podcast growth hacks. And if you like what you heard, go check out normalizingnonmonogamy.com. That's the name of the podcast and the name of the website where you could go find their Patreon, join it, very affordable, and go click some affiliate links. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) We appreciate it. Thanks, Pat, for having us on.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation.
1: Thanks for listening to Podcast Growth Hacks. If you like the show, please tell a fellow podcaster about it. This really does help keep our show going. And if you have a podcast growth question that you're kind of curious about, well, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave me an audio message by going to podinbox.com slash podcast. Once again, that's podinbox.com slash podcast. I'll include that link in my show notes. I personally respond to all questions I receive there. And once I get your question, I'll find the podcasting expert to answer it on an upcoming episode will play your question, and I'll even give you a shout-out. Until the next episode, keep creating and keep growing your show.